Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is David Shabani, a rapper who is perhaps one of the most well-traveled musicians I have ever seen. He was born in Paris, made his way to Montreal, Toronto, Dallas, and he's now based here in Austin. And he's just got such great music. It's, it's so enjoyable to listen to. He's got a new album out. He's got tons of other albums already out on Spotify. And we're talking all about what it's like being a musician. Because, hey, that's a pretty cool gig. David talks about how his content stands out from other people, how he's, he's not rapping about that crazy money lifestyle, about having 35 yachts that you're just driving around on the ocean. They're bumping into each other because you've got so many yachts. It's more of the everyday common, relatable things that we always love to see because we're going through that stuff too. David's also involved with the Refugee Services of Texas and the Black Austin Musicians Collective. So he's talking about his work with those organizations. David's also a big movie buff, so we're talking about some of our favorite films. And look, I know there's been a ton of Fast and Furious movies already, but we come up with a pretty great plot, at least theme, for an upcoming Fast and Furious movie. So we're going to hit up the producers and director uh, of those films just to get, you know, quick little royalty for us because we've got a pretty brilliant idea. We'll talk about all that in the episode. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out via joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can also support the show via the merch store at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Get yourself a hoodie, hat, shirt, all that good stuff so you can look stylish as heck while you're listening to this conversation with David. For people who don't know who you are, can you give us your elevator pitch, but can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on while you're telling us about yourself? Dang, the type of elevator. Um, that's what's up. I like that. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Toronto, but they have this. Uh, they have a CN Tower. Uh, this elevator goes up very high, so because it does that, it goes up very fast, um, and it's all glass, so you see yourself rising above the city. So that is the type of elevator I'd like to be on. It's very scenic, if you will. Um, and on this elevator, uh, I guess I have a lot of time, uh, my elevator pitch. Uh, so I'm a, yeah, I'm, my name is David Shabani. Uh, that's my, that's my rap name, but that's also my name, uh, my actual name, my birth name. Uh, and so we, uh, yeah, I'm a rapper. I'm an artist. Uh, I'm a rapper. I sing a little bit, uh, and I have a band as well. Um, I am born of Congolese uh parents uh, i was born in born in france and then i moved to canada and then moved to texas uh after that uh so i have a little bit of uh multinational allegiances if you will but um home the long the home that's been my home for a long time is texas and so that's where i really got uh you know my rap career music career really started if you will um and yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially what I focus on is making music. Uh, I make a lot of music. I release, I've got like, I think like five, five albums on Spotify uh, or on, on all the DSPs. And so, um, yeah, I think that's my identity. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I, I'm a rapper that is of an immigrant family. 
and um and that's just how i see the world i like it and great use of the lingo with dsp too i think that might be our, our first usage of that on this podcast so very well done and i've got to ask you you noted that your name is the same as your rap name did you ever have a stage name did you go through some some different options like that <laughs> yeah it's some interesting names. When I was really, really young, when I first started rapping, I was like 10 years old. Uh, I know <laughs> it's kind of like embarrassing with these names. Uh, when I st- first started rapping, uh, my first rap name was Big D, like just the letter D, uh, like <laughs> Big D, like, yeah, it was Big D. But like, I remember trying to rap and someone was like, yeah, it's a cool name, but like, you're like 12 and you're small. So it doesn't really like match. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really match the aesthetic you know what i'm saying so then um i, I really wanted to be d money um but it didn't match my content because i never rapped about like having money you know what i'm saying so that didn't work but it, thankfully i was really young at the time you know so i like i could be in middle school high school with this name you know i didn't really put it out out like that and then because my name is Shibani, I try to work on the alliteration. And so for a minute, I was Showtime, Showtime Shibani. <laughs> and uh, that was another thing. But then I think one of the best rap names I had, honestly, is because when I my name was Showtime, I used to have a habit of spelling my name. But I would spell it S-H-O-T-Y-M-E. And then when I cut it, I was like, well, what if I was just T-Y-M-E? Like T-Y-M-E would actually kind of be a cool name. like. Just T-Y-M-E, like the the, abbrevi- the abbreviation. Well, not the abbreviation, but I guess what do you, what do you call that when you uh, uh, what do you call that when words stand for something? Uh, it's like yeah, U.S. An acronym, acronym. 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 Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. Acronym. But I didn't have any words that tied to the acronym. So it was T-Y-M-E. <laughs> and at the time, then that's when T-I was getting crazily big, you know? So I was like, that's not going to, it's too close. So, um so then, yeah, I, 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 in high school, and honestly, till now, most people call me Shabani already. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really, like, the majority of people who know me call me Shabani rather than David. And so uh, for a moment, I was like, yeah, I guess when I, when I really got back and into making music and got, you know, when I was in, I guess this is when I was in college, when I was doing shows. I guess I was thinking I could just be Shabani, but so many people already like knew me, if that makes any sense. They already knew me as David Shabani. So I was like, I just got to keep that name because if I, if I created a new rap name or whatever, you know, that was too far from my name, it would be confusing. People would be like, wait, this is this person, you know, it'd be like, a, you know, so the name I felt like stuck well enough to be like, it's, 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 uh, it's unique enough, but also, um, easy to say too, you know, cause I got, I'm from, my whole family's from Africa. So from Congo. So some of our names are very difficult for English speakers, if you will, but mine is simple enough. And I was like, yo, this is me. It's the real name It's my music is not really like, I'm not masking myself. I'm not putting on like a persona when I go into the studio. So it only makes sense to keep the same name. So yeah, I went through a lot of very bad rap names <laughs> and then uh, full circle came back to the, to my actual name. I like it. You had the brand already, so why not right. go for it? Although I will say, as someone who who got the nickname J Money in high school, more so for basketball and being able to make shots, I, I appreciate D Money. So that's that's probably my favorite of your uh, of your failed names. But I like it. Nice, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know if the shot's still as good. I'm probably more like Jay, maybe like pennies. Yeah, well point. now, you're, if you're I see you that. hoop now, then I'm uh, you're gonna have to you have to like this big shoes to fill. Now that I know your name is Jay Money. <laughs> oh no, I've, I'd like to say that as I've aged, my defense has really stepped up, and uh, maybe in an inverse of yeah. what the uh, shooting has done. That's that. Can still, can still. That's not like. That's that older. You know, rec basketball is like get the rebounds and get the defense. Like that's gonna be unlocked, you know. But like, yeah. you know, some some other parts of the game that you might have had in high school might not be as like, you know, on point now as it was when you know a couple years ago. That's age, though. Yeah, those those are the skills that. Always, there's always I I mean, this is more going back to the college days and shortly after college. But there'd always be one guy at pickup who was mid 40s certainly not as athletic as anyone else playing but yeah had the lockdown defense had the rebounding a hundred percent from mid-range jumpers and it yeah. was i'm just like this is what i aspire yeah. to be when i'm, I'm that's in my what's 40s. Up. i hope i'm this good at basketball yeah, stuff. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah that, that the 40 year old dude the 50 year old dude that's always at the gym is always nice like he's gonna get his buckets He's gonna get rebounds. He's always like a great pickup for your pickup team. Yeah, and always, always great to play with too. Like he's, he's never, you know, he's never a dick right. or anything. Yeah, it's just very, very professional and cordial. I like it. Now you did mention that you started writing raps when you were ten years old. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing you ever wrote? Yeah, uh, yeah. If <laughs> I had like a song, so what I first started doing when I really started like writing, I guess is. I used to listen to rap, of course, a lot of rap music. And at the time, back then, I was listening to Red Man and Method Man, and I was listening to Nas, and I was listening to Eminem at that particular time when I was, like, learning how to rap. I mean, of course, Jay-Z, but, like, I didn't do this with Jay-Z. And what, what I would do, and Biggie Smalls, just to explain. And so what I was doing was, like, back then, for one, we didn't have internet where I was, like, I was staying with my auntie. And uh, I was I was living with my, my auntie in Hamilton, which is, like, it's it's in the Toronto area, if you will, greater Toronto area. And uh, we didn't have internet. And so I'm not, I'm just explaining, like, we didn't have internet. And even if you didn't have internet back then, this is like 2000 or 2001. So back then, you didn't have, like, like accessibility to all the lyrics to every song in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how now you can just mm-hmm. Google lyrics and they're just there? Back then, even if you have the internet, you would have to, like, search pretty profoundly to find those you know to find those um those lyrics and it wouldn't always be right either right that's another thing they weren't even like checked so yeah so what i would do is try to figure out what these rappers were saying and the uh uh like method man and red man they had a song called the rock wilder and what i would do is rewrite their lyrics so i was rewriting their lyrics just so i could understand like oh he's saying this this and then i would rap that back and I would do the same thing with like um, back then I had the Marshall Mathers LP and his his rhyme schemes were really intricate. You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to write back what he what they were writing and so I could rap it back. And eventually when I was doing this, I understood the pattern. I was like, oh, I think I can do this on my own. I feel like I can write my own because it's I, I get like certain amount of words hit here. They rhyme. I, I kind of like put it together, you know, so um the first thing I wrote was this, I understood song structure. So I understood you got to write, you know, a verse and then you got a chorus, you got a verse, you got a chorus. And it has some song called, uh, I guess it was called, it was called Unstoppable. 
Because I didn't really know what, all I rapped about was like being good at rapping. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> so like, it was like, I'm unstoppable. Like I'm, I'm, I'm this or whatever. But I, I rapped it to my cousins. I remember they would like walk around the house singing that song. So I was like, okay, yeah, I could write hooks. You know, I, I got it. So all I could rap back then was about, you know, how good I am at rapping and how cool I am or whatever. But I remember I would go to the middle school back then and I would rap in a schoolyard and people were like, yo, you know, because it wasn't like everywhere that you could hear people rap like live. You know what I'm saying? So like, oh, this is can actually rap. That's cool. And I remember one day I wrote some rap about like a crush. I wrote a rap about like a girl kind of. And I remember one dude was like, yo, y'all, y'all got to listen to this. The, the topic changed. He's rapping about a girl on this one. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, so you got to divert. That was, I really understood even early on. Was like, you got to diversify your subjects. But um, the first thing I ever rapped was just like, yeah, something. That, I don't remember what the rhyme scheme was, but it was just about being like, you can't stop me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cocky or something <laughs> like that. And it was, it was simple like that, but you know, I, it, it, the fact that I started at 10 is why it, it, I got much, I had so much room to get better, you know, because many years have gone by since then. And even at 10, you were getting people to sing around the house. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with it. That's the thing. I didn't do anything. And you know what I'm saying? I was, I was obsessing over it. So it gave me enough time to like really refine it even at at that age. One of the things that I like to ask on this show is a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And I liked yours because things have changed from 2001 to 2021 now. There's a lot of music out there. It is a lot easier to find music, to find lyrics for music, all that good stuff. So you've got a, a wider range of musicians that are able to share their music with the world. So what about your content stands out? There's a few, I think a lot of rappers, I've always felt like a lot of rappers have, or not even just rappers, artists have certain platforms that they, they talk about, you know, like they might be the type of artist that talks a, a lot about love, or they might talk about uh, a tough upbringing or something like that. And, uh, or they might talk about how like, they're just always successful, they're always winning. And that's, that's what's up. Like, it's, it's cool to have all those moods, but I think that because of the type of life I live where all my family's from Congo. I was raised like in a Congolese household, but I was born in in Paris. And so I was, I had like a very deep, like Paris, I don't know, I guess French, like, um, like culture in my house too. And then, but I, my, my, my first memories of life were in Canada. They were in Montreal and they were in Toronto. Cause that's when I grew up when I was a really young kid. And then I moved down to Dallas. And so all of that gave me like very different styles of music to listen to growing up and very different styles of people that I've met growing up. Like I've been around with, I've been around very different people, if that makes any sense. I've been around like, like a lot of people in Texas that, you know, the, I guess you could even say like the, the, the stereotypical, like super proud to be Texan person that's never left Texas. You know, and that's and that's cool. That I, I like that person. That that's their identity. But then I've also been around the people who like their whole life till they're thirty, for example, they lived in Congo, and then you drop them off in Dallas, and it's like now this guy's been here for two weeks, and it's a complete different world. So what? How does that person see the world compared to how does that the other Texans do see the world? And so um, 
these have been people in my family that have been around all the time, you know, that have very different outlooks on the on, on life. And so that's why when I write it, it's when I write lyrics or content or whatever, it comes from so many different angles. And I think that creates kind of like a refreshingly unique content in in I guess I think in uh, a lot of like very popular hip hop artists. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes it stand out a little bit. It's not so much just the sound, but also like the the you know, the point of views and the contents that uh, that you hear in a lot of today's music. Yeah, I think that's a very good point of you you are writing about what you've experienced in life and what you've gone through and having such a varied background. I think it it really does come through in the music and it's it's nice to see because like you're saying, some rappers really just focus about money. Like they're just rapping about money a lot and I'm like, all right, that's nice, but there's other things yeah. too. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes sometimes if you listen to like certain artists I feel like if I'm in this mood, I'm gonna listen to this artist. If I'm in this mood, I'm gonna listen to that artist. But then some artists are able to have all the moods. Mm -hmm. And so you can listen to the same artist and you're gonna go through different emotions and feelings and moods all in one, maybe one album even. And so that's what I aspire to is uh, to really create uh, many different feelings um, from one you know, one artist. Yeah, I like that. I like having my artists where I'm like, I'm real sad. I mean, I know everyone's on the Olivia Rodrigo train right now. If they're like, I'm in, you know, I'm really in my feelings. I just want a, a good cry. I and there's definitely a time and place for that. But I'm with you. I like I like the variety, the emotional roller coaster, if you will, on it. Right. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. I know another element, obviously, beyond just making the music is then sharing it and getting it out with people. We were talking beforehand about how it's great that you're able to play shows again because coronavirus certainly cut down on that yeah. this past year. Um, but that's just, you know, one element of the marketing piece of it. So as an artist, how have you been marketing yourself? It's funny you say that because like my, uh, my, for example, my, uh, my Instagram, like the little tagline they let you write, it says, uh, uh, artists with a, I think it says artists with a day job or it says rapper with a day job. <laughs> and I think I've always, I've always marketed myself as like the common man where it's like, yes, I, I do think that I'm very good at making music and rapping and, and, uh, and all that good stuff, but I am just like an everyday person. And so when you say things like a lot of rappers rap about money, like I'm not rich like that. So I can't rap about that. I can rap about certain money things that we all feel, you know, like, well, the common people feel, and so because of that, that's how I market myself. Uh, you know, if, if we're talking about Instagram or, you know, if we're talking about um, whatever, what, however you put the music out, the, the, the main way I market myself is as like, I'm an everyday person. So you see my Instagram posts and my pictures is like me doing everyday stuff. It's not me doing like crazily lavish stuff. Cause it's like, okay, cool. That's cool. But like, you know, I'm not on that level. However, the other way I do market myself to keep global fans is the reality that I, I do feel like I'm from many different places. So I do feel as African as I feel Canadian, as I feel Texan, as I feel French even. So I market that way too, as in like, yeah, you can't really pinpoint me in one spot. And so because of that, you can't pinpoint the music in one spot. And so um, that's how I market, I guess, like, 
who is David Shivani, if you will, or who like the artist, how do you break down the artist? It's like, I'm marking myself as like, this everyday person can be from everywhere. And so many different people can see them, can see that story when you, when you put it on, you know, when you put it in music. I like that. I like that. I don't know how I have ended up on this algorithm on Facebook and Instagram, but I get all the ads of people who are like selling a course or something of, you know, here's how you can make your own money and and live on a yacht all the time. And it's always, it's always just a preamble of them being like, all right, you know, here I am on my yacht uh, or in my mansion, all the, and and I'm just like, okay, I'm already lost. Like you've already, you've already just lost me by seeming like such a, just an entitled asshole. For I know. Lack every, of a better word. every time, <laughs> every time I hate those so much. That's another thing. Cause I hate those. Cause they'll be like, you know, like, yo, look at me, look at all these cars, look at this house. I got it from, I don't know, whatever the hell, like whatever hustle they're trying yeah. to put out there. And what, what obsessed me about that stuff is they try to minimize or dim, like, like they try to put down the nine to five person that just works like that's a job that's a that's that is a point of view that's a person that like yeah i have a nine to five you know what i'm saying i get this many days off and that's a whole industry why are we making it seem as if like because this guy's a super billionaire there's no value in the dude who who's um who's a nine to five worker like for example one of my favorite i might be going on a tangent right now no, I love one it, of my love favorite it. Uh, one of my favorite lines from a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen Goodwill Hunting, but someone says, I guess the the therapist is talking to Will Hunting, and he's telling he's telling him like, you could do this, you know, you could live this kind of life, as in like you could be like I don't know, like an astronaut or an astronomer or some, you know, you know, like you could work for NASA, something crazy like that, or you could lay brick all day, and then. Will Hunting says, what's wrong with laying brick? That's somebody's house. I'm building someone's house. There's, there's value in that, you know? Or someone, for example, that's someone that works at the airport. Think how many, how many people you affect ju- just by working at the airport. If I'm going to the airport, I might be going to see my, my daughter that I haven't seen in 20-some years. I might be going to a baby shower, and that might be a big deal, or a wedding, or I might be going to a funeral, which is sad, but that's a big thing that I got to go to. Or I might be going for an interview for a job. If I work at the airport, that's an important role. So why are we trying to put down the working people? It's like, that's a, that's a, we need people at the airport. And so that brings back to like the music where I'm like, how come no one ever talks about from the point of view of the dude or the woman that just works, that just, she's a nurse and that's her job. She's not, you know, or he's a nurse and he's, that's, that's their job. They're not super millionaires, but they, they have a point of view too. And so that's what upsets me about the ads you're talking about, but that's also how I feel when I write songs, when I talk about being a common person. It's like, you know, like, what's wrong with being a bus driver? That's what's up. That person needs to get to work. We need the bus driver. So we got to big up the bus driver as much as we big up the dude who's got the house or whatever. <laughs> the house is in the car. <laughs> yeah, and plenty of people are enjoying those jobs too. Like a bus driver, you get to meet so many different people along your route. Like, if you're an extrovert or even, you know, even if you just like meeting new people, like that's a great way to do it and you're helping them out and all that. And it's like, yeah, they have that, they have that slant of like, you must hate your job if you're, if you're working nine to five and like, you got to get out of it and, you know, just work an extra like 18 hours a week and you too can be a billionaire. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if everyone wants to do that. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, we also, again, you're back to playing live shows here. And you've, we were talking right before the show. If someone misses a show, you're like, I'm thankful that there's more that they can come to. But as someone who has also played live shows, I know that not every show is created equal. Sometimes you're sounding phenomenal. Right. Sometimes you're, you know, you got your monitor that's like 80 times louder than it needs to be. And you're, you're deaf by the, the second verse of your first song. But I always love hearing this from musicians. What's the worst gig that you've played? I think I got two. One, this one is not as bad as the next. This one time I was playing at this, uh, they said it was a festival. So it's like, yo, there's a festival in this town. And what it was pretty much is that like, there's going to be like 30 acts playing in different places. And they had me rapping in this like, this local pizza shop. And I was like in the corner (laughs) And people were coming in, like, getting the orders. And it was the strangest. I was like, people are not here to watch this. People are buying pizzas. Like, I don't I don't know why y'all put me here. But I will say, even in that show, some people enjoyed the show. So it's like, all right, cool. Well, I guess there's, like, a crowd to rap in front of us. So I appreciate that. But I always think about how I was in a corner, like, right next to the, like, you know, people flipping the, the dough trying to make pizzas. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I guess y'all put me here. So that's what's up. But one show that I really think was the worst, the worst gig I had was uh, it, it was in Austin. This name of the place I don't think it it exists anymore. I think it, it might have been called Headhunters, but um, it it used to be like a metal venue. And for some reason, I got booked at the show, and uh, I, I <laughs> it was like on a Tuesday night or something like that. And one of my friends lived in Austin at the time. He went to he went to Texas, and so he was like, "Yo." Where do you play at? You play downtown? I'm going to come check you out. He came by himself. It was just him. <laughs> there, was, there was another dude in the corner that just happened to be in the bar. And then there was the bartender. And the bartender, you know when you go to a bar, they have the TV on? Mm-hmm. He kept the TV on. So the TV might have not been like, the volume might have not been on, but it was on. They had Fast and Furious on. Like two Fast and Furious. The one with Tyrese. <laughs> it was on like right next to this, like on stage. So if you're looking at the stage, I don't even know if you, I don't even know if you're looking at me or if you're looking at the television. So I, I mean, at some points, I'm looking at the television, like, oh, I like the scene. So <laughs> they're like, but the thing is, I was honestly rapping to two people and the bartender who's watching TV. And what's crazy is also they had booked me for an hour set. So I'm over there just doing songs. Like, All right, I guess I'll just do this one. I didn't have a DJ at the time. So I'm just like pressing songs on my laptop. Like, I'll do this one. I'll do the, I'll do the next one. And uh, I will say, though, at the end of this show, which I th- I was just like, yeah, I just rapped in front of two people. So that's what's up. Um, two and a half, if you count, like half of the attention span of the bartender. <laughs> but there was a dude, that dude that was at the end of the table when I got done, he was like, hey, this is a long time ago, too. So, like, times, you know, times are different in terms of, like, exchanging music. Mm-hmm. But he was like, uh, when I got done, he was like, hey, um, you wouldn't happen to have a, a CD or something. I really liked your set. And he was sitting, he was just by, it's not like he came to see me. He was just at this random ass bar that had, like, no one, like, you know, not, not much going on. And he enjoyed the music. So. He was like, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, sure. I had a CD. And I guess, you know, I, I presume or assume that that man is still a fan today. But that's probably the uh, 
<laughs> the wildest gig I've ever played. I was rap. I was competing with Fast and Furious. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I also like that you you were taking breaks to watch too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. Okay, that is a, that is a solid <laughs> one. Have you watched the newest one? I've seen it. It's getting a little, it's getting a little ridiculous. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I haven't made it out to I. Uh... <laughs> to the latest and great I, I didn't see Hobbs and Shaw either but um, yeah I didn't see that one either I got, a, I, yeah. um, I got a friend that's like obsessed with that with the with their uh, with that whole franchise franchise so we said I've seen them all except for Hobbs and Shaw because that's like a you know whatever but like yeah I mean I feel like it's so ridiculous that they know it's ridiculous so every time I see oh, something sure. I think they're they're thinking like how much more ridiculous can we make this and they they topped themselves, so I will say that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is a this is another tangent, but back I used to live out in LA and I was on an internet reality show that was like American Idol, but for YouTube creators. And I had no business being here. Like I had I had a YouTube channel, but was like, you know, I'd I'd maybe posted like two or three videos to it in the span of a year and did this this show and I think they they probably just picked me for the top ten because I lived in LA and that's where they were shooting it. So they were like, all right, you can make it to the shootings. You're not like taking time off work or like flying, you know, halfway across the country or anything like that. But one of the perks of making it to the top 10 was we got an inspirational pep talk from um, Justin Lin, who directed, I think it was the sixth Fast and Furious. And so he's like giving us this, you know, this talk about filmmaking and, and all that good stuff. And then at the end, he's like, all right, you want to see a scene from the upcoming movie that like no one's seen yet? And everyone's like, yeah. And there's no context of it, but it's just this tank like driving through all these cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep, that sounds about. Yeah, that sounds spot like on. a match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how to come up with that stuff. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the writers, but like a child could come up with a lot of that stuff <laughs> like, and then a tank came and it broke the bank open it's like I, I, a child could have wrote that but people like it so that's what's up yeah it's at I don't I don't know what the latest is but probably like a 250 billion dollar you know through all of them combined I'm saying it's yeah they're making money so they've, yeah they've found their market for sure I mean yeah. I'm well, who am I to talk I went to see the movie so like oh, they no, got me yeah. exactly I'm part of it yeah, I think you you know what you're getting into. It's yeah. not gonna. It's not. You know, it's I, not trying I, to ask philosophical questions. Right? I really do want to see how ridiculous it gets. I'm like, what are they gonna do next? Like, let's see. How can you top this? How can you top a tank in a city la- or something? The last one is just normal driving. It's just like a <laughs> diesel running air. Brings it back. He he works for Uber. <laughs> Uber oh, eats fast food. Eats. <laughs> yeah, fast food. <laughs> Oh man, we might be onto something here. We'll reach out to the uh, yeah my the writing staff. I take I take even a one percent royalty credit, right? For I mean, yeah, right. Podcast. Isn't that like yeah. what would that be? Like this probably <laughs> kind of, might already be like a million dollars. All right, we're on board. We've got our action items from this call. It'll be great. Now, one other thing that I wanted to chat about is you're involved with a couple of different organizations: the Refugee Services of Texas, which helps translate French for refugees from Congo. Uh, and you're also involved with the Black Austin Mus- Musicians Coalition, which started last year in the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, or in the wake of, of those, I should say, um, to help advocate for black musicians. So can you just talk a little bit about those organizations and why they're important to you? Yeah, so the uh, 
the refugees, um, um, yeah, the refugee services of Texas, I started volunteering with them um, because like, honestly, just personally, I have, I've had, I've, I've, I've had a lot of people in my family, family in that uh, situation where they come to the United States or even come to Canada and they just got here. They don't speak like any English and, but they need to work. And so it's really tough and it's really, it would be stressful for anyone. And I think that we, when we, when we think about everybody's like problems and lives, we we don't like if you think about your own problems for example it's hard for you to understand like other people's different problems i'm not saying some problems are above others or under others i'm just saying um people have different problems that you might not think about and one problem that people might not think about is when you move here and you speak zero english and it's like but i have to get a job you know and so because i've seen that i was i, I didn't realize that um there was a organization in Austin in particular that already worked with a lot of people from my country. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's, what, that's like, a, that's like a, you know, a sign. I, I think that uh, if I can do something to help them out, um, I'd love to. And so when I did started uh, volunteering with them, um, that was cool. You know, it's very rewarding job. But also afterwards, um, they asked me to do a, uh, to do a, like a benefits concert, like live stream. So that was really dope because it was like a combining of something that I'm passionate about, which is like, you know, um, immigration reform or, you know, helping out people who are immigrants and also music. You know, I was able to put that together and um, it was just like generally a very rewarding day to me, you know, because I'm like, I got to do the stuff that I love to do for people that I care for. Um, and so I think it's dope that a lot of people, you know, if everybody had all the time in the world, I'm sure everyone would have like their their organization that's I guess charitable organization you know and um, I think it's dope that the one that I care about is already in Austin and very prevalent it's uh, refugee services of Texas so that's what's up um, and yeah so anybody who's you know if you're I would say check them out you know send some donations if you will um, the other one um, for the uh, the black musicians in Austin coalition that is an interesting thing because you know it deals with a lot of stuff austin is supposed to be the music capital live music capital of the world and american music like since the dawn of american music has always been forefronted by black musicians and so like or at least yeah exactly so it's tough as a black musician in austin you see a lot of gigs that don't book many black artists at all. Um, and so I think it's cool to get together, excuse me, to, uh, to get, to get ourselves together, put our minds together and realize, you know, as a union and be like, yo, what can we do? What are we doing wrong? How are we booking these things wrong? The ones of us that are, that happen to be more successful, the ones of us who happen to be not as successful, what, how can we share our minds to figure out like how to maneuver in this, um, in this uh in this music town you know and um so that's really what the the platform is you know like the, the the point is for that that union and it's working i think i think that we're able to even now uh when i walk around i do see more representation for black musicians um 
everywhere we go, everywhere I go, everywhere I see, you know, um, before it was not very likely that I would see a bill where every artist on the bill is black. And that's not like, it's not a, I, I love all musicians. However, you very often see in Austin um, bills where everyone's white. And sometimes the bill will be like 20 artists and it'll all be white artists. And that's, shout out to them, you know what I'm saying? But like, how is it, why is it that it's very hard to see that same bill, but black artists? And so what do we need to do to like try to, you know, you know, uh, enhance our representation in the music world? Um, and then a part of that outside of the union, is also up to us as individual artists. I, 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 uh, I have a band that I play with. I play solo also, but I also play with a band. And in my band, um, all the musicians are black. And so um, I, it's even that is difficult to see, but there's a lot of black musicians in Austin. So why, what are we doing? How are we like so disconnected to not make that happen as well? You know, so generally we just need to do a better job of like employing or represent you know re representing more opportunities for black artists in this town um equal opportunities and i think that's what the uh the coalition is about love it yeah both such great causes and we'll drop links in the show notes for anyone that wants to donate or at least learn a little bit more about them because they're doing great things all right david you're almost off the hook here but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And we've discussed we've discussed a couple. We've talked about the Fast and Furious franchise, Goodwill Hunting. So do these movies make it onto your top three movie list? Or do you have other movies that we need to go check out? Yes. Um, so top three movies is very difficult for me because I do love movies. I like a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> and so it's a little hard. Um, but... All right, so not in any, any particular order. Um, the first movie is very, it's very complex, but I'm going to have to, like, hopefully I can combine them, is Godfather 1 and 2. Like, if we can make that one, that's on the list. Because what I love about that movie, personally, is that the main character, Michael Corleone, when you first see him in, in Godfather 1 and then when you last see him in Godfather 2 is two different people. So I don't know if you've seen a movie, but that's what I love about that movie. And so it's, it's realistic because people change in life. Like we grow, right? We, we look at things differently. We, we progress in life. And, um, and so that's why the Godfather, I just say the one and the second one, the first and the second one, that, that's one of my, that's, yeah, one of my top three ever. Um, and then, man, this is hard. I don't know. It's funny because <laughs> it's funny because I suggested this, but uh, the other, I'm kind of torn. But I'm gonna just say straight up. The other one is Training Day. Like I say, Training Day. It's um, it's just a great film because, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's Denzel out of his element at that time. You know, you you back then Denzel was always the good guy. And then you see like a very villainous Denzel. And um, so I feel like, and also what's crazy is it's his, it's, it's his Oscar movie, but a lot of people haven't seen it. So, but um, I love that movie, classic. Uh, and then those are two very heavy movies. So to 
like soften it up a little bit. One movie that is one of my favorite movies that if it's on TV, I'm sitting down, I'm watching it no matter what. Back to the Future. That is a movie right there. That is an adventure. <laughs> it's an adventure. Like the storytelling, it's timeless. Every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, they got to go back to the future. Like that's wild. What a story. Whoever came up with that story, because first of all, we live in a time where a lot of the movies and TV shows now are either old books or old comics or the remade movies. I, that's not, I can't think of the last time I saw a, a original story or their sequels, like Fast and Furious, you know, number 12. But <laughs> Back to the Future is an original story. It's like, yo, I'm stuck in whenever I got to go back to the future. I got this machine. Everything goes wrong. It's the perfect like quest for a character. So I love Back to the Future. I also got to say The Departed. You know, I wanted to keep it soft, and I know it's supposed to be used three, <laughs> but The Departed is just a great film. They put like a bunch of actors in it, and it worked. It wasn't like people were fighting for screen placement, but those are those are yeah my top three, and then honorable but honorable mention. I put The Departed in there, but. I like it. I, th- I feel like you could, uh, I mean, this is kind of a stretch, but you could shoehorn The Departed after The Two Godfathers. I feel like that could be like, the, you know, after the closing credits, they usually have the bonus 100%. scene. 100%. And yeah. this one's just a full two and a half hour movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of funny. It's like, I love mob movies. Like, I love like mafia, any kind of like, that's just, I just love the storytelling in those. But then I also love like comedies. And so... You know, I love old school. I love coming to America. I love uh, Friday, you know, so it's very like night and day when it's the style of movies that I like. I think those are good ones to like, though. Those are those are both solid. Solid genres for sure. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If people want to check out your music, learn more about you, where can they go? So my name's David Shabani. You can look me up. Real name. Uh, no gimmicks as Obi Trice used to say. And um, yeah, you can find <laughs> my website. Uh, I feel good right now is my website. We can find all my music. It's, it's spelled exactly how you expect. I feel good right now. Or just look up David Shivani. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on all the goods, all the DSPs, as we said earlier. And um, and yeah, I play in Austin often. I'm going to go on a small tour in a couple weeks or I think in a couple months. And so all the dates and tickets will be on the website. I feel good right now. If you're on Instagram, you can just look up I, David Shabani. Um, that's my Instagram uh, my Instagram handle. Follow me. Come check it out. Tell me what you think about the music. I just dropped a new album on Spotify called Shabani Smooth Sounds of the Summer. So mm-hmm. I hope y'all enjoy that. A lot of uh, alliteration, if you will. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but just look up David Shabani and... Um, Check out the music, check out all the the socials, and uh, let me know what I think. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Well, David, you are officially off the hook here, and uh, maybe when it it clears up a little bit, we'll go play some pickup basketball and hopefully be at least like 50% of our our peak. Sounds good, man. I'm down. I'm down. (laughs) All right. And we got to wrap up with a corny joke, as we always do. Tried to keep it a little musical here. What's Beethoven's favorite fruit? I, I don't know. That's a good one. Banana.
Oh, after okay. three people. All right. All right. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 